0: Kelly, welcome back from Colorado Thanks Hope you didn't get
1: mixed up
0: yeah. In a car accident <laughs> Along the way
1: I was like, this has been a while Can C- Oh, we didn't say it
0: Man, it's a killing me There's yes too many People and they're all too hard to please Kelly, what are we doing here? I, I didn't realize we were doing a mixed up confusion. I feel like I, I I why am I here?
1: Look, when motivation strikes, you gotta ride that pony, I guess. Gross myself out.
0: Look This is a. what that's like a genuine thing, right? Oh yeah. Pony? Let's do
1: pony. it. Ride my pony, my saddle play. The- i'm just a bachelor (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) do you want to sing the whole song we can sing the whole song we are here because we upon googling ourselves we did unfortunately find a witch related podcast
0: we did. We have mentioned that briefly.
1: With a, a similar acronym. I don't think we ever went into it. We don't need to go into it. But I also found, by mistake, a Slater-Kinney podcast. Same letters. Slater-Kinney over the week. Although it's called Words of Guitar. But anyway, that doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. And I was like, holy shit, I love Slater-Kinney. What an amazing coincidence. And it's
0: weird that we also share the same website, SOTWpod. I know. Who would have thought? That's weird. I mean, I wasn't told that we were renting it with someone else. But, I mean, it's probably real. You
1: pay for a do-name. Yeah. Do-name.
0: domain name. I mean, Google's probably like, well, oh, let's just lump these guys together. So it's we're probably, fine. you know.
1: So because of that, my random happenstance of finding this podcast, I was like, I fucking love Slater Kinney. We should talk about it.
0: Well, good for you. I like Slater Kinney.
1: Yeah, that works out.
0: Yeah. Otherwise, this podcast doesn't sound like something I'd be into. I
1: mean, it would just be me talking at you for... Who knows how long this is going to go on? But how much I love Slater Kenny. So,
0: but thankfully, I also love
1: Slater. <laughs> <laughs> so Kelly, That's let's unlucky. talk
0: about Slater Kenny on this mixed-up confusion. That's way where we're going to start with their newest record but after that we're going to go all the way to the beginning and work our way back up to the woods this is a band that we we both uh i've i've only been listening to since the woods the woods was my first interaction with okay yeah the 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 ad campaign for it uh they were on sub pop right like it's they were out there um in the world for me Uh, i i subscribed to alternative press i saw their uh their advertisements all of 2004 2005 and it intrigued me enough to go listen to it. Uh, it was it was good, but it wasn't necessarily my taste at the time. But it was something a band that never left me. And as I as I kept going on further, um, obviously, the connections with Bikini Kill, Riot Girl, you can't not listen to Slater Kinney if you're interested in that type of music or in that type of culture. And so that's what drove me there. How about you, Kelly?
1: I actually found out about Slater Uh 2006. So, oh, so after the woods, yeah, so a little bit after the woods. I didn't know anything about good music and I wouldn't until I met uh, my ex girlfriend, okay. Lauren. Um, name checking, name checking, apparently. Damn, yeah. Uh, I saw Slater Kitty for the first time, heard them for the first time on the L Word
0: in oh, season wow. two.
1: There's an episode where they perform live at a club that Kit owns called The Planet. Uh, thank you very much.
0: No shit, they're actually, are on. on it. They're on it. I've seen on season two,
1: the episode. And it's wild to think about now that Slater Kitty was on a fucking TV show. I got something sweet for you tonight. All the way from Portland, Oregon, where they play video poker, but you don't have to feel bad about it because all the money goes to the school system. These sisters are bad to the bone. I want you to give it up for them. A premium cable show. No oh, yeah. No Showtime. Uh, so that was the first time I had seen or heard them. And then... Because uh, I would have been 18. That's when... Uh, That's
0: also your bag. Like, here's a TV show I love. Oh, and yeah. You learn all the music. Oh,
1: yeah. Thank you, Buffy, for all of my early music listening shaping. <laughs> uh, so I, I saw them, and I, I loved the energy, and I sought them out. And that was right when I, Lauren and I had first uh, gotten together, and she... Had music taste leaps and bounds beyond my own. Uh, she's the reason I know who Postal Service is. She's the reason I know Soda Kinney. Uh, fucking in Right Girl. beyond that, it, it, at large. And yeah. just, like, she's the reason Good music. I stopped. And, I mean, I didn't stop, but... Uh, you left
0: the new metal sphere.
1: Again, I didn't really leave, but, like, she broke that open. <laughs> like, she shamed me enough that, like,
0: uh, you should... So later on, you could almost... Yeah, and, and we,
1: we weren't together deal. for that long, but, like, right, that was... Right that was enough that was enough to break it open the
0: window was cracked
1: so that was my introduction weirdly enough was six months before they were about to break up uh, an episode of the L word out of nowhere and then subsequently she burnt me all the albums they had so all of them all seven of them to that point and uh, that was how I knew them I knew them from those those seven burned discs
0: and that was it until out of nowhere and, no cities to love. Yeah, no, and Any I gave right, up. Yeah. I was like,
1: this, of course, of course I would find out about this band who I love dearly, instantly. Like, you just had this immediately infatuation, and you're just like, I'm into it. Oh, my God, they're queer on top of everything. Like, she had a framed picture of them in her room. I was like, this is some crazy shit. Uh, and, and then you
0: find out that you just missed the boat.
1: Oh, they broke up. Yeah. Oh, they'll never play a show again. Okay, cool.
0: <laughs> and then it's, yeah, that's that, that's a, that's a funny feeling though i mean lots of people have felt that i mean at the drive-in is a one that i think of right away where yeah i got into this band and then you're like oh, oh they're oh i'll oh it's over i will okay. never see them that's that's fun uh, <laughs> refuse was another one you just see yeah the music videos or you listen to the the albums yeah and you're like oh because for you it feels right now it feels right now yeah but then it's not at all no. and i think that's a testament to slater kenny itself and we'll get into that as we go Knowing that Slater Kinney was a band that existed as a figment of your imagination, and all of a sudden you hear that they are not only putting out a record, but going on tour.
1: Yeah, I lost my fucking mind. I immediately, the first show that popped up that tickets were still available for was somewhere in Idaho. It's like, I guess we're going to the weird sewing, it was called The Sewing Room, I think, was Hmm. the venue in Idaho.
0: Like Boise or?
1: It wasn't even in Boise. It was like in a weird place in Idaho. So well, I guess we're going to Idaho.
0: Well, no, I guess that kind of makes sense because they're from Washington, and western mm-hmm. Washington, so might have been like, a, couldn't get Spokane for tonight, so we'll just kind of cross over to maybe Coeur or something like that. And, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But that was definitely one of the first, that's the thing, it was the
1: first shows announced and later Portland would fill into that. Uh, but it's like, I don't care, we're going to Idaho. That's well, the it's that's open.
0: Wasn't that the thing too, where it's like they didn't even, have Portland for the longest time yeah. and you thought they wouldn't come to it which well, I was like who like, fucking wouldn't.
1: live here how can you do
0: this but then they like burst through with like mm-hmm. 10 different like shows and whatever yeah mm-hmm. but, yeah they did do that I remember yeah. that I they, remember acted like this, they
1: weren't going to play in the Pacific the Northwest. existential threats
0: that were happening in this fuck? moment yeah. Yeah. in 2015 yeah it was a wild thing like even as somebody who sort of understood that they existed and understood who they were at least on just a like a logical level like who they were um just as a, as a force of music and how people love them dearly. I was uh, I was taken aback a little bit. Living in Portland, like, a lot of people were really into this and yeah. into them coming back. And it meant a lot to them. And that was cool to be a part of. Now, I didn't get to go see them. But you did. Sure did.
1: Yeah, I got to see them at the Crystal Ballroom. Um, because of you. I didn't even Great have a Twitter venue. account at the time. But you were like, hey, Twitter tickets are going on sale yeah, at really. noon today. You should check that shit out, and I did. And I, um, I would think I was a babysitter at the time. I didn't actually have a nine to five job. Clutch move,
0: Daniel. Yeah. I was probably drunk all the time back then. <laughs> I don't even really remember doing it. Well,
1: that. Be- you're the only reason I got to go see them because oh. I didn't have a nine to five job, and I was just sitting on my couch just pressing refresh. And when noon hit, refresh, 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 and they sold that within ten minutes. Yeah. But I got two tickets, so boom. Uh, it was a huge moment for me being able to see them after. Resigning myself to never seeing this band that I love so much, and um, they were like the last band on my list, other than the Cranberries, which I'm not going to get to see now. But that's you know,
0: we have an episode about them too, and I highly recommend that because that is another great conversation about.
1: This has just been me gushing about. Bands. It's been a well, while, which, which is, is great. We'll which return. Great. We'll which return the paper. It'll be okay. Um, yeah,
0: you would definitely like the Slater kinney podcast. Then you would definitely that's you, that's would, up your yeah. alley. Yeah, you'll probably have to go Duh. listen to them. Srtwpod.
1: Yeah, as we discussed, Mm -hmm. No Cities to Love, real quick, back to the roots, which we'll get into, but 32 minutes, 10 songs, fast, in and out. Uh, Dropped on January 20th, 2015, produced by John Goodmanson, who has done the majority of the records. Uh, Recorded at Tiny Telephone in San Francisco, Electro Kitty in Seattle, and Kung Fu Bakery in Portland, which the guy who runs... A lot
0: of places recording.
1: The guy who runs Kung Fu Bakery, um, I didn't write down his name. He died, unfortunately, last year. He was Mm. 60. He had uh, cancer. Um, But he was like a Portland fixture. And um, so that's a bummer. But uh, it's got a 90 Metacritic score. No cities to love. I think everybody was so stoked and ready for this to happen that there's no way it could have failed
0: for some it's going to be a terrible experience like you're coming back clearly for money or clearly for a very particular thing and you're just thing. doing
1: this comparison slitter kinney is
0: not coming back for money
1: oh as yeah. far as we
0: as far you know they've they've never done I mean, anything not coming do back that. for money that's for sure that's for sure so they're coming back to say something they're coming back to like make music again and that's what's real um and that's and i think that's you can tell that when you fucking listen to this oh yeah um, my favorite review, I just want to quote really quick because sure. it's just like – it's a great distillation. I think this is somebody that was p- probably a huge fan of Slater-Kinney forever. This, this uh, article is from Pitchfork. Quote, we tell ourselves stories in order to live, Joan Dinian famously wrote, and we align ourselves with the potent narratives of great bands for the same reason. Their songs guide us through the restless process of figuring out who we are. We search for meaning and rhythm and couplets and distortion, and if a band is grounded with as much purpose as Slater-Kinney, they charge our consciousness, occupy space in our relationships, symbolize what we want to become. Slater-Kinney's music still does. It tells us women or anyone who has ever felt small or othered the truth that even when the world seems to deny it, we are never powerless. Now the story goes on longer. It didn't have to end. And that was Jane, uh, Jen Pelly in uh, Pitchfork for her review of No Cities to Love. And I love that. That's really sweet, yeah. That's a really great uh, distillation of of what it's like to, uh, yeah, listen to that music, especially if you've ever felt like that in any way. I think that speaks to that impeccable integrity that they have. And you can just tell in the lyrics, especially when you dive deep like we did for these last, you know, week and a half, two weeks. So,
1: Yeah, This so this album, um, it... It suffers from and is heightened by its consistency. So, the guitar playing, the drum work, everything is so much more purposeful and intentional mm-hmm. than any other record before it. And you could say that is to its detriment in that it doesn't have that, I don't know what's going to happen next. I'm scared. This thing is like taking off on life of its own. Right. Uh, but. You can't knock it for great, solid songwriting and performance.
0: I think two songs in particular for me stand out in that vein, which is Price Tag, the very first one. Yeah, that one's Which one is one. almost built around the the sound of the guitar mm-hmm. and is building a whole story in. Mind. That guitar sound... You just did it. You did it again after 10 fucking years. It's you found not, the pedal in your closet. Yeah. You found the pedal in your closet. Congratulations. Congratulations. We made a guitar sound like that. You're yes. welcome. You're welcome. And that's all we <laughs> needed. That was enough. And I think the other one for me, my one of my personal favorites, is Give Me give me More. That's the song, right? Give Me Love? Give Me Love, sorry. Really? Give Me Love. Oh, I love Amazing. it. Amazing. Because it's just fun. It's just one of those fun um, where it does all the things where you've got – Carrie and Corin singing over one another. You've got the great drum work, which is like sort of the center to the song, which is the same way uh, that we talk about Words and Guitar. Mm-hmm. That's the name of that podcast, right? Words and Guitar? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Crazy. Yeah. That song is great. That's I, I clearly, that's why they chose Possibly the song. Possibly their best song. Yeah. You, that's you why we call to? it Sign on the Window, because that's clearly the best Bob Dylan song.
1: I mean, we'll get into that one day. What? Someday. Did you pick that?
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Give Me Love is a, is a fun one, but just that chorus, you know. Give me love, give me love, bah, uh, uh, and you just got this guitar that just sort of like lingers and then it stops. Give me love, give me love. Mm, it's so nice. Yeah, it feels it feels good. And um, later later renditions of Slater Kenny did that. We'll get to one beat. We'll get to all of those. But that I love that guitar. Work. I love that guitar work.
1: So price tag was definitely one of my favorite tracks too. I mean, and the message of like consumerism, what it's done, like what does it mean for this band to be successful now, and like what did that do to you as a person? It's great. And it's a great way to open the the, the album. So Gimme Love is, is interesting that you picked that. I, this is my least favorite Slater-Kinney song possibly of all of their wow. catalog. Nice. And it's it's tough for me because it's not that the song is bad. And like Corin's voice is so commanding in the way that she is wont to do. But like along with the guitar playing and the drum work and every piece of this album, her voice is too pitch perfect in, in every sense of that term. Like it's tight. It's It's every – there's not – there's no – Tonal shift that's not right, or like, it, it's just everything is absolutely perfect, which again, I think might be, you could argue, this is a detriment for me of this album, is that everything is exactly perfect. song sonically is really unsettling. Give me love. It yeah. makes me a little nauseated. Um Wow. <laughs> like it just the the way that they they kind of I don't even know what you would call it, like harp the, hey, you know that you know, you know. Like it just like
0: it's give upsetting me the, Give me love.
1: Like it just doesn't what? feel God. right. I don't even know what she says after that. I mean she just says, Yeah, give me love, I'm pretty sure. But like, yeah, it makes me feel a little queasy. But uh yeah, the bridge though is uh straight rock
0: punk. yeah straight talking.
1: It, it's not a bad song but I think this might be my least favorite sleater
0: Kenny song of all time so it's so funny that you would pick that that's amazing I just like where it lands in the record you know I my favorites are Price Tag No Cities to Love Fangless which is the second song mm-hmm. um and then that and then after that it kind of goes a little bit of a blur they all tend to, to go that's, together. again the yeah.
1: part of the problem of this album is yeah. that they get lost in the shuffle. They're all such standout tracks.
0: They are. I don't actually because know they're the all perfect. But
1: you don't even. Yeah, yeah, you don't even know.
0: Oh, that's why I think "Give Me Love." Even if you were to think it's terrible, because it, does it is stand a change. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah.
1: definitely a change. And I don't think it's. Ter- I there's not. For the record, and I'm sure I'll bring this up again. There is not a single Slater kinney song that I hate. This just happens it's to not be your jam on this one. Yeah. 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 No, that makes sense. For me, the standout tracks on this one, other than uh, "Price Tag," which I already mentioned. Would be No Anthems, Bury Our Friends, Hey Darling and Fade. Uh Hey Darling, for the reasons you mm. like, give me love. Fade's good, yeah. It's Power Pop in the middle of nowhere. It's just like the chorus changes completely. It's only like two minutes, which uh is a back to a return of classic Slater kinney Love it. Love it. Uh you just can't help but buy it. There's along. a lot
0: of Slater Kinney songs, not to even be rude, that would benefit from being two minutes exactly. instead of three and a half. Yeah.
1: And the way that uh, I don't know which came first, the corn or the Carrie, but uh, in "Hey Darling," they're going down. Is that a... an
0: aphorism that you use? Yeah, it, or it or is. Carrie? Yeah,
1: yeah. Okay. Uh, Carrie's going down a scale on her her uh, guitar in the riff, and Corn's voice is going down with it. So I don't know if who did what first for the writing, but. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's there. You can't you can't find a crack in this album, and that's a huge test. Like, how can you to... you can't say that about most bands?
0: No, you cannot say that about most. So,
1: bands. an amazing return, and I cannot wait to see what happens next with them.
0: And it's been 2015. We this will be years between us? Three at this years, point. man. And they put out a new single. So uh, here we come. Planned Parenthood. So I don't know if it's just a one off thing, which could have been a no. You used to love. You know, holdover back yeah. from the day, but I'm hoping it's a brand new one. We'll
1: see. And just a quick note on here we come, kind of more of the same. So we'll see. Hopefully things are – that's why I think it might be a hold a yeah. holdover from Nisadisilov. No, um, so we'll
0: see. Let's go back to 1995.
1: Let's go back to 1994. Well, so – Let's go back to 1993. <laughs> let's
0: go back to 1991. Don't, Nirvana. Don't know, don't I don't care. know. So, so, yes, they, they were in uh, – what is it? Um, Olympia. Well yes, they were in Olympia. <laughs> they were also in other bands, Heaven's to Betsy And Excuse Seventeen. And Excuse Seventeen. So you can find both of those on Spotify. I, I've never heard them in my life. I listened to both of those records this week. Uh and they were on par with what I thought would have been a Perfect segue into the first Slater-Kinney. It Absolutely. makes a lot of sense. Uh to Betsy, I'm going to be honest, I think that record's better than Slater-Kinney, the very first one. Because I can see that, yeah. Mother of God, they're screaming their fucking heads off, and personally, that's my jam.
1: So, Heavens to Betsy uh, yeah. was Corn Tucker's band. Um, she, it was her and the drummer, which I don't remember her name, and I'm sorry. Um, Carrie saw her play. Uh, so this is all out of Olympia and the Pacific Northwest in general. Carrie did not live in Olympia at the time. She was at Redmond, uh, Washington, but she knew all about the Riot Girl scene. She was a huge fan of Kathleen Hanna's and uh, a Bikini Kill in the whole Riot Girl movement, uh, Bratmobile, all of everything. And Heaven to Betsy was a big part of that. She uh, had the opportunity to go on tour with Heaven to Betsy her band, Excuse 17 And they, her and Corden watched each other play every night. And they were like, we can do this. We should do this. And funnily enough, both of their bands didn't have a basis. So Excuse 17 was Carrie and two other people, a drummer and a second guitarist. And then Corden was just her and a drummer. And the... Guys, call me. I would have been like four, (laughs) but I would have totally...
0: I mean, I would have been seven. But I would have been a great bassist at seven. But they don't need a bass. I mean, they don't.
1: And, like, the fact that that didn't happen – and Carrie talks about it in her book, and I'm going to talk a a lot of what I'm going to say throughout this episode is based on Hunger Makes Me a Modern Girl, which is uh, Carrie's book that came out in 2015, I believe. And this Olympia – the scene in Olympia at the time was everything that's different. And having two guitarists – she said she never questioned because that's what you do. Who the fuck cares? What's a what's a normal band? What's a punk piece? I don't know, fucking know. We're just gonna do whatever we want. Yeah. Um, so Carrie and Corn, who were together not together at the time, uh, like romantically, mm. went. They're like, you know what? We we want to start a band. Uh, I dig you. You dig me. I like what you're doing. Let's do this thing. But we don't want to be Olympia. So we got to get out of here to record our album. So they go to fucking Australia. Yeah, I Let's know. Let's go I as far that. away as we I can. I thought that was
0: uh, fake.
1: No, that's a real thing that happened. They went to Australia. They met this guy, or they had corresponded with this guy, Nick Canane. I believe his name was. No, not Nick. Kyle Kanane Anyway, he was in a group called the Cananes in Australia. And he was like, I'm a drummer. I can drum for you. You should come over here. And they did. And they practiced with him for about two months uh, in 1994. And
0: that's a weird ass, sketchy thing. That's a weird thing.
1: The way Carrie says it is like pen pals were a thing then, and that's just what you did. Yeah. And like people that were in the scene, he was in the scene there. He was in like what the equivalent of Riot Girl was there, which like Grot Girl. Uh, so it was like okay, so
0: there was a thing. Yeah, like, I guess I, we can't even possibly. And that's just how it was. To like to if it.
1: somebody vouched for you, like this guy's,
0: it yeah, is yeah, like yeah, he's yeah. into
1: music and you do it. So uh, he played through all their songs with him. They like, practiced with him, and then they met up with uh, Laura McFarlane, who. Her, she got vouched for by somebody else. Like They were like, no, it's really important to us to have a female drummer. Yeah. Sorry, Kyle, or whatever his name was, of the Canains. We, It's really important for us. So they went to her, to her place and crashed there with her for like a month, and they recorded this album. It's later like Canadian. Self, what would be the self-titled? They did it in one night. Hell of 12 hours. Whoa. One take for every song. Gary said, with the exception of ones that we couldn't really live with, there might have been a second take. But other than that, her roommate, Nick, recorded the whole thing they were in the garage of this little house they shared and they did every single song
0: that's rad
1: and i mean it's 10 songs 22 minutes man 22 minutes, 22 minutes.
0: <laughs> the, the peak uh slater uh time frame yeah 22. let's <laughs> let's do that yeah it's perfect
1: i mean and this this album is nothing to me at least than uh excuse 17's uh, some people are dangerous or some these things are –
0: such things are dangerous. That's what Next like. the next version.
1: Yeah, in Heaven's to Betsy. Uh yeah, it's right sort of top their, top. their
0: follow their follow up.
1: What would become Slater Kenny's signature sound was kind of like an accident. Corin Tucker, her voice is the most unique thing ever. No one sounds like her. No one I I've never heard anything that even comes close to what she can produce. And she had just been tuning her guitar in Heaven's to Betsy and, and even, you know, as things would progress with Slater Kenny to her voice and they hooked up to her tuner one day and she just happened to be in like in c-sharp and like oh okay I was like well that's what i play in too sometimes so like it just kind of worked out and that sound is so formative like that is the band that c-sharp non-standard tuning beautifully coalesced with corin tucker's non-standard erratic crazy banshee fucking otherworldly voice is what being is, and, and this is all, it's all started in these 12 hours in Australia in 1994. What the fuck?
0: This record in particular is really crazy to me. I didn't think that I would like it that much because it's 1994. I'm not the biggest 90s person. Um, but I also thought it was going to be the same trappings of, I don't know, the Riot Girlness. I thought was going to be a sacrifice for the grungeness and uh, the way that um, the Cranberries sort of sacrificed their sound for a lot of stuff that was popular. I don't know what I was expecting. I don't know if I've ever heard this record before. In terms of great songs, I mean, I don't don't think don't think you wanna is like one of the best introductions to a band. Period. Oh yeah, that exists. Sure. Like I don't think you wanna. No, I don't think you wanna. No, I don't think you wanna mess around up here. Going through and reading the lyrics for all of this, a lot of it gets really dark um, and and troubling and sad. Um, especially under some of the songs are quite upbeat and poppy, and you're not really. I don't know, bracing for it, but I think that song is pretty dark and it's a great start to a to a record.
1: Yeah, this this album, um, in total is, is really about the relationships between men and women specifically. Yeah. Um and explicitly. It's uh like the what it is to have sex with a man, what it is to have your power taken away, what it is when you're taken advantage of. How to play dead. Yeah, how to play dead is like because sex is something that happens to women when it comes to heterosexual relationships, for the most part, uh, when you're dealing with men who are not great people. It's just something that happens to you. You're not a participant. And that that's like the theme of this, this record, for sure. They're dealing with that most, mostly above anything else. Um and that's definitely the product of the the riot girl scene. And, and obviously, mm-hmm. what it is to be a woman, period. Like, a, a heterosexual woman that's dated men or even, like, victims of sexual assault. Like, this is real shit that's happened. And it was really poignant impression, especially at the time, for them to talk about it and deal with it. And that stuff carries on through their music. But they, they lose that, uh, for better or worse. I mean, I think that's what, obviously, a lot of people don't want to listen to, unfortunately, even though a lot of people should – is facing that head on so them dropping this aspect probably made them more successful as a band but
0: i don't think they fully drop it though
1: yeah that's what i'm saying but they still carry but they also it on
0: become through. better songwriters that is yeah. sort of another layer this of it is too, very which is fucking
1: nail on the head like rape people rape men rape like this is bad you're
0: feeling sick you poor thing clean up that mess then i'll suck your dick yeah did i tell you that it wasn't fun yeah yeah And then I won't suck your big ego and swallow your pride. I'm spitting out your memory and stains you left inside of me. That's the explicit part. The explicit part, yeah, yeah. So beep, beep, beep all over the place. Um, But I I just think you become a better songwriter. And we talked about that even with the Cranberries. I don't think that they they did become better songwriters, especially with politics. Slater Kinney, I think, excels because they can – Wrap in the politics as political in a way the Cranberries never could. They were trying to be so overwrought and try to you to it almost. uh, Make some huge Uh statement. Whereas I think (laughs) out of nowhere, because that band was not that band. Slater Kinney makes a huge statement in almost every song that they have by keeping it understated. Um, but I think that's the power to Slater Kinney, the first record, and I think it sets some sets us on a course. If you want to truly understand the band, you need to know where they're coming from, and so that's what makes that so so great. You know, How to Play Dead, I think in particular is like the centerpiece of the entire.
1: Yeah, for me, How to Play Dead, Beer Mama, and slow songs or uh, slow songs. Sorry, is the, is the there's the ones for me. I did want to talk about Laura's song real quick, just because. The way that Slater-Kinney operates as a band and the way they tune their guitars and their sound in general is not conducive to anyone's voice. And that is not uh, other than Corn Tucker and Karen Brownstein because that is showcased front and center in Laura's song. Laura McFarlane objectively has a beautiful voice. But when you put that on top of Slater-Kinney's music, it sounds awful. Like, Laura's song is so jarring because you have this sweet little... Uh, floaty voice coming in on top of these weirdly tuned aggressive guitars and it doesn't work. And
0: But she would rather listen to that than give me love.
1: <laughs> I would, because it's so weird and because it proves a point and it's like really highlights what this band is and is not. Is not. That's a good
0: point. That's a good point. Okay, right, let's move on to 196.
1: All right, real quick. March 25th, 1996, recorded in four days in September of 1995, written three weeks prior to that. Uh, most of the songs were inspired by Korn's photo job she worked at, like, a, oh, no where shit. people come in and get their portraits and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, 30 Minutes, 12 Songs, produced by John like Goodmanson. Yeah, like a Sears. Yeah. Okay. So this is the first one they'll do with John Goodmanson, and he will stick around
0: Easy. as well, we know. God, amen. Good job. Call the Doctor is important because it's the first time that they did the talking over one another sort of thing. Um, Oh, yeah, because, like, even during the course of that Carrie's just in the background. Exactly. And so that was, I think that was a moment where, I think even Carrie acknowledged that. Like, this was, we were just kind of messing around, and then we found out, oh, my God, we're, like, talking over one another. This is perfect. Like, let's... Keep doing this. And so while this is not a great song, it's incredibly important for Slater-Kinney, the sound. Mm, Singing two songs on top of one another? No, that's a very unique thing. it doesn't
1: sound – like it doesn't give you a headache. It doesn't sound like two songs fighting each other. It just like works. I could see it
0: giving you a headache if you're not into that kind of stuff. Mm. But for me, the dissonance is also a very big impact – a very big and important thing with Slater-Kinney is the dissonance, is the sound and the noise – and I think part of the two of them overlapping one another is the noise factor, and I think that they're doing it on purpose to be jarring, to weed out the people that aren't really there for the right reasons. They're not they're ready to listen for, to it. Man. Not ready to listen to it. And so for me, I've been ready for years, baby. Let's <laughs> do it. Yeah, this is definitely a more
1: personal album than the first one, uh, but they're still certainly finding themselves. Got that punchy so- social commentary is still there. Um, I think- have a question though. Yeah. For
0: you. Hubcap. God pilot, <laughs> you're my co pilot, not my god pilot. What I mean, God pilot,
1: I don't know what a god pilot is, but that rim click. So, that's Laura McFarlane. Uh, no shade to her, I can't play the fucking drums, but she did definitely have a signature where she would hit that fucking rim of the drum. That click is everywhere. Talk about how to play dead, that shit's all over the place. Mm. It's in Call the Doctor, it's in hubcap, it's, it's all over the place. Oh, also on this album, too, they try to play with Laura singing some more um and what on heart I... attack corin's actually playing the drums mm. and laura is singing Whoa. with carrie which is wild to think I'm like god damn you Corn tucker how is there anything you can't do that was the answer what you, a ringo star <laughs> what the cool. fuck is happening um so i got called the doctor it's one of my favorites uh, i think that's an important anonymous story. i want to be your driver well, and good things
0: anonymous man i sign i sign i sign mm-hmm i mean and that's that another like they're letting that guitar drive they're letting it wrap around the words they're just getting real real fucking good at that yeah anonymous is definitely a thing also i really like the last lines of it um these words are all i have these words are all who i am it's mm, i love that poignancy uh it goes it goes back to even price tag that we talked about at the very beginning it's that idea that it's not about the things you own it's about who you are on the inside and the what you have as a human being mm-hmm. so these words are all that i have and that in that's truth that's actually the reality of the world
1: uh quick note about anything i want to be your joey ramone so that song is actually their first like meta commentary about a rock band writing mm-hmm.
0: songs about being a rock band oh, i'm gonna mention this a ton as we go through because nice. this is the very first of yeah. many yeah. yeah and that's the thing it's like uh taking away the archetype it's it's mocking you know sort of uh, you know kids buying the posters of their favorite artists or whatever but it's also saying why couldn't we be on your goddamn wall like why can't slater kinney be on your wall and that's as, not the same thing about
1: that noise that i think it's it must be carrie you're like wow wow yes. <laughs> like what yeah. is that sound
0: So much great stuff with sounds like where it sounds like a siren. Oh, we'll get to one beat later. Don't even <laughs> worry about it. Yeah, this record, this record is probably um, not to spoil our rankings in the end, is probably my lowest ranked album because it a lot of them are quite forgettable songs. I, I'm looking through and I'm like, you know, I don't really know. Even Heart Attack, even the end, I like their endings to records and I don't really care for Heart Attack. I don't know. I I mean I would need a, a like a hard convincing. I would need a, like a really long sit with this, and I think maybe I'm just so excited for Dig Me Out that mm. I get just like uh, let's get out of here. Like they're, not they're not Janet. Yeah, they're not here. I mean, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's and that's a weird. That's why this thing is a solid
1: number six of eight put Janet on <laughs> this record eight, and
0: let's yeah. see what we got. Speaking of
1: Dig Me Out. April 8th, 1997, Unleashed Upon the World, recorded between December and January of 1996 and January 1997 over an eight day period at John and Stu's Place in Seattle. Mm -hmm. The album cover is actually an homage to the Kinks, the Kink Controversy. Um, It's produced again by John Gumminson. 2003, Rolling Stones 500 Greatest Albums of All Time, Dig Me Out ranks 272. So, right after the middle of the pack, but of all. Time. Dig Me Out is 272. First album on Kill Rockstar, so they moved on from Chainsaw. Mm-hmm. A slightly bigger label <laughs> of, of indie labels. Like, if Chainsaw is a micro, this is bigger than micro, but <laughs> uh, by a little bit. Uh, 13 tracks, 36 minutes. So this is the second one with John Goodmanson, but he was really into uh, The sequencing of Nevermind mm. by Nirvana.
0: Who wasn't?
1: Um, I mean, I've still never listened to that, but it, he was like, what you got to do is hit him with a hit and then a hit and then a hit. And that's what this is. So it's like you put your first three starters out front. You like to do a baseball analogy or something like I don't remember. And that's what they did with this album. And Dig Me Out. Oh, my God. Janet Weiss. Thank you so much for coming. Immediately. To the
0: immediately from Dig Me Out. You're just like, oh, OK, this is a different band.
1: Carrie said about Janet, she hit the drums harder than anyone we've ever played with and this was the fifth drummer so they had misty farrell uh nick not nick god why do i keep saying nick the dude from the cananes i don't know kyle i'm just gonna say kyle because it's alliterative kyle canane uh laura and then they also played with a friend of theirs uh tony who was in another uh pacific northwest band uh she couldn't do the drum roll and call the doctor there's a big part the bridge was like and she couldn't ever hit it so they're like sorry girl you gotta go uh, so, she never actually appeared on an album. So, oh, Laura true. did all of Call the Doctor. But then. And they're like, sorry, you're Australian. This is awkward. You can't actually live here and be with us. And also, I don't know if we're going the same way we're going. And then by chance, Carrie was at a hairdresser and she was like, hey, we need a drummer. And her friend was like, oh, I know a drummer. You should check out Janet Weiss of Quasi or Quasi. I don't know how you pronounce that band, who was like a Pacific Northwest fixture in her own right. She's lived in Portland forever. And she's like, oh, oh yeah. She learned shit. all the songs from sure. uh, Call a Doctor. And they were like, hey, we're working on this new thing. Dig, what would be Dig Me Out? And she just was like, okay. Boom. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, wow, this is the best decision we've ever made. This band wouldn't be a band at all. Yeah, no, legitimately, think,
0: legitimately, that's the heart. because, again, it's like a Lennon-McCartney type of scenario where we all all we ever talk about is, is, is Carrie and Corin, But – Holy shit, if it wasn't for her and if it wasn't for the drums on Take Me Out, Whew. that album sinks. Bah, dump, it, that album is called The Doctor Part 2. Yeah, so I wanna I wanna jump on uh Jen Jen Pelly from Pitchfork because she kinda knocks it out of the park here. Quote Sometimes brutal heartache, sometimes a menacing threat, always intelligent and extreme. There are enough hooks architected into these two and three minute songs to span several albums. But even the added dumb dumb sugar seems as though it must be raw Portland agave. <laughs> oh. One more quote. Quote More than skepticism, anti-consumerism, or the glories of tattoo art, punk teaches empathy, a principle that Slater-Kinney practiced with nuance. This is why Slater-Kinney's music shines a light despite its loudness, why it's easy to be alone with the songs and feel protected. Slater-Kinney would never forego the optimism to believe their songbook could make us smarter, angrier, more tender, and hopeful. Dig me out dreams of a better future, clawing itself up with every note. Accurate. That Portland agave thing kills me. <laughs> kills me. Every moment of this record is incredible. This is one of the greatest records of all time. Absolutely, period. absolutely. So it's going to be the best slater Kenny record <laughs> by far. Not by far even. It's not a no, by far scenario, by far. unfortunately. Or, or fortunately. fortunately, fortunately, fortunately. I mean, I think it's unfortunately fortunate. for having to try to rank it because then right. you have to play favorites and say, "Oh, I hate you, children," and I love this child the best. Like that's <laughs> tough because it's easy if this one's. Great, and the rest are fuck ups. But when they're all great kids, it's like, oh, what am I, what am I, how do I base college or like the jobs or the partners? Like, how do I, how do I pick my favorite? That's what we're doing here at this point. There's oh, no yeah. fuck up among any of these. No, nope. Some of them are a little more immature than others. And clearly, uh, we've gone through the immaturity period. But yeah, I don't even know how to talk about this record.
1: For me, this, this album is about being in love, yeah, about breaking up. About surviving that, more hour, yeah. and then after that, finding your soulmate in Janet Weiss. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, what a tie-in right there! I mean, <laughs> Literally, it's true. everything is about finding. You know, finding Jenny Janet. is just a a long-winded way to say Janet. <laughs> is it? <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah, I. Every single fucking song, even Buyer candy. Fuck everyone.
0: No, are you buy kidding me? Candy is amazing. Fuck everyone <laughs> yeah. for saying buy your candy is bad. I mean, did I get Shangri La vibes? Yeah, <laughs> I met him at a candy shop. Yeah, don't meet people at candy shops. But holy shit, that song is fucking amazing. And that no, guitar that- work doesn't matter, and that's the thing. That's why it is always carrying corn at the end of the day. Yes. That was that is a beautiful song. That like, is a people beautiful really it. song. I was like,
1: that song, that's the one that gets me there. Like if I'm gonna cry about a when song, When it comes that's out of nowhere like one, yeah. that,
0: especially on a after Disney a album. banger of an album, what? I'm mad. <laughs> I'm like legitimately mad. <laughs> I cannot believe. Mm.
1: The first three track, like I, it's really, really, really hard to pick the best songs on this album because all of them are fucking perfect. But dig me out. Uh, it's enough. I also love and Words and Guitar, which is possibly the Words best and Guitar Slater is probably
0: song. the best.
1: Um. So this album is incredibly important for me, uh, not only because it's again arguably maybe not so arguably the best Slater Kidney album, but this is the first time I'd ever heard uh not the first time, but a woman sing about. Uh, another woman and not only is it another woman it's the woman playing the guitar next to her which is fucking incredible one more hour and buy her candy to a young gay lesbian not that's redundant to a young lesbian who is just like (laughs) finding young gay lesbian as opposed to uh hearing these songs as an 18 year old lesbian trying to find their way into good music oh, was like a fucking amazing like my life changed yeah. it it really did, and it was so powerful, and like people people who aren 't queer might dismiss this as like, why does it matter that she was singing about a woman just a good song? because it fucking matters <laughs> because when you 've never heard that before, it matters, yeah, and when it sounds like somebody's singing to you and you felt those fucking feelings before like. Uh, just even hearing her say the dress you wore, the pretty shoes, just like, oh, God, and buy her candy. Like she's – she's singing to a – she's an, she's famous. She's she's the best. She couldn't lay my heart a dress. It's Dylan, like incredible.
0: It's a it's – a, it's the standard, the, the quote-unquote normal is that it's a man and a woman always. Right. And so, yeah, like you've said, when Dylan goes into the nondescript territory, which is the mark of a good writer, it starts to take on – a thing of its own but when you have a woman singing about a woman in a dress yeah that's powerful because yeah. it's, it's always going to be powerful because that's not the normal that's not what you always hear
1: and it's um, what i needed and, yeah and it was amazing and i just like dig me
0: out Woo! Um, it, it's the drums honestly it's when it's the words in guitar and when she comes in with a drum beat i that's about all i need and i think for for a layman out there and I, and I mean that as, like, a layman not really understanding, but also a lame man <laughs> wouldn't understand because it's so simple. It's just words and guitars, and it's a clear stop, and then you just hit those tom-toms. Tom, tom, tom. But there's so much power in that small moment over and over that just destroys everything. It's so good. Words and Guitars is such a good song. And it also goes back to even I Want That Joey Ramone. It's not even it's not even a, a situation where I I sing about wanting to be your Joey Ramone but I have no reason to be your Joey Ramone cuz you can you can sing about the concept of Joey Ramone or Thurston Moore or just a, a, you know male rock stardom having a Bob Dylan or Mick mm-hmm. Jagger on your wall but then they deliver you a reason to have their fucking poster on the wall and they're going to keep doing it yeah, Slater Kitty <laughs> should be on your goddamn wall. And I look back at my own childhood, and I'm like, damn, man, I fucking missed out. Yeah. Fucking damn. That sucks. The Woods was the first time I ever even heard of them. I know. Me and too. it's a bummer. Well, and I you know should. we were young. We're, I mean, I was 15 when that came out. It's like- Mom, it, Dad,
1: you dropped the fucking ball. That's all I the gonna ball. Say. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen, what the fuck? Why aren't you listening to Slater Kitty? You know, it's like- Washington guitar, <laughs> especially even being, if you want to take it as a, a meta commentary, the fact that they're like, you- Music is the air I breathe. You can't take this away from me. Like, fuck you. I don't need to be Joey Ramone. I'm me, and that's good enough, and you're going to listen to me anyway because listen to what the fuck I'm doing right now. Yes.
0: Yeah, that, well, the complexity of how they sing that too is like really lost on how simple the song kind of is. But yeah, when it's like, I want it all, I want it all, I want it. That's Corrin. And then you, right. And then you got Carrie coming down saying, you know, fill the space surrounding me. That, that is if you never breathe, fill the space surrounding me. And then words and, and yeah. they're singing over top of one another. It's so hard to talk about the lyrics because there's really twofold things going on. And you've got Carrie singing this. Th- all the pointed, you know, poignant stuff that you just said. You know, this is the air that I breathe. This is the space that surrounds me. But you've got Corin just losing her fucking mind mm-hmm. over top of you. I want <laughs> it. Uh, uh. And I think me out, Another
1: uh, reason why it's as fantastic as an album is because Corin's voice. You get someone called the doctor, don't get me around like Slitherkin is a rough cut, and there are some screaming that they never get back to, mm-hmm. for better or worse. Uh, and then call a the doctor, we're, we're, we're forming it. But, you, like, this is the first time that fucking Banshee yodel. It's a
0: good point.
1: Th- shit that, that she is like, that is Corin Tucker. The last this song. This is it. This the was, last like,
0: song on Slater Kinney. That's the last time they, like, scream. And, <laughs> which is yeah. great. But, yeah, they don't ever go that far. Because that's, like, beyond Banshee. That's, like, that's other world. But that was absolutely
1: the scene. And that's why those bands, you don't know who they are. Yeah. You don't know who the fuck Bratmobile is. You don't know who those people are because you can't – you can't. You yeah. can't. You literally cannot understand what they're saying. And it's tough. And I but get I like it though. I it's important. That. Yeah, and I do too. Like that's. But if you want to have any kind of marketability, any kind of transcendence, you have to – which really is gonna, important and yeah. fantastic. Corn Tucker. And
0: influence bands like this that is do that, transcend. And yeah. – more like Can we talk about little babies?
1: Yes, absolutely. Do you not like that song? No, fan favorite. Okay, okay. Fan favorite. Okay. <laughs> uh, fantastic
0: song, but all I could think about was Woody Guthrie month. And I was Milk. just waiting for the nipples to come oh, no. out. Um but I love you know Dum Diddy Dum Little Babies. I want to Yeah. And Mother's Little Helper was a Rolling Stones reference, yeah, from yeah Aftermath.
1: I love that the song is about fans and also Carrie like corin's like i i had to do so much for you <laughs> i had to do so much for all
0: of you but that but it's also important to note that like that dumb ditty like the really fun 50s malt shop pop tunes they play with that a lot especially oh, yeah. in their conception of rock and roll they get that do up in there man yeah but it's also a commentary on i keep looking over there as if the poster of slater kinney is going to show up but <laughs> but i mean it's sort of that's a great way to put it it's like they look at that as like a a poster thing. Oh, the like, Donna Reed, the yeah. Linda
1: Beaver, the whole like yeah. idea of what it is to be a woman, just, what it is to and be... even with
0: that, it's like motherhood and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. They comment on all of that stuff, but I love that. It's a an amazing song. Yeah, Byer candy, of course, is perfect, and,
1: and I'm glad you like this one too, because there's a oh, lot of people that man. really don't like it.
0: Are you kidding me? That guitar is so just like it hits you right off the bat. I'll admit, I thought we were going to get some crazy drums coming in there, which would have worked completely. But I'm so happy we didn't. I'm so happy it was just, like, just playing in the background and just two of them just together. I just I, I like to imagine a show where they're playing that song, like, after they've played, like, five or ten rippers. And they're just, like, start strumming along. So, yeah, so
1: they never played the song, really.
0: Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they never played it. Yeah. Because so <laughs> it would be really personal.
1: Spin, um, who outed Corin and Carrie in 97, I believe... Um, without their consent or knowledge nice. uh, yeah real cool um spin when Nasis love came Spinded. out wow. ranked all of their songs from best to worst buyer candy got 99 out of 109 uh and they said this isn't the first or even fifth or sixth or seventh song you think about when you think about dig me out and i was like you're full of shit like it doesn't make any sense. I don't know why it's on the album. There's no no drum. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, "You're a garbage person." No <laughs> Whoever one reads spin. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I just like I, and I felt bad. I was like, "Does this is this how everyone feels about this song?" So I'm really glad that you were like, "This is fucking great." This
0: is great. This is a highlight. Yeah. What?
1: I don't know, man. Uh, dig me out. We can. No, we can <sighs> no, we could,
0: three, do that. for Three
1: hours. hours.